Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, video games, anime, music, uh, Jacquees, the Rush Hour <laughs> franchise, Smash Mouth. That's white culture. But Smash Mouth. <laughs> what I, the, other millennial concerns each week, every week. It's the end of the year, the final episode of the year this week. We honestly didn't know what to talk about. We did our year endless last episode where we talked about our favorite stuff from 2022. This week, we figured, you know what? Let's just, I guess, chat about shit that we're excited for going into 2023. Yes, Assorted this is, things. This is, the, this is the, the, the point and the piece that's the, between the third and the fifth paragraph where you might ask you to spin it forward as it were. Which is what we're going to attempt to do what's, in this in this episode. What's the future of the subject of this? Pe- what's the future looking like for the <laughs> X industry? You know, it's that episode, right? Um, but but given the broad mandate of this show, we'll be talking about a lot of different kinds of things. Micah, maybe we can go back and forth on this, right? I think we have different top of mind entertainments that we are looking forward to. You want to go first? Should I go first? What you got? Well, I, for one, um, was very enlivened by the final, like, 10 seconds of the Jedi uh, Star Wars Survivor uh, trailer. Just because it's like the, the, it's, okay. So, I, as you know, hated 
all Souls likes until I played mm-hmm. Elden Ring, and then I downloaded like three in a row immediately after beating Elden Ring. <laughs> Um, Wait, stop! I thought you liked Sekiro. I thought Sekiro I did like was no, no, no. I like okay. I, like Se- I liked Sekiro, but I also like was. I mean, like I was bouncing off of that one too. Like I didn't, I didn't okay. finish it. Okay. Like after I went to Elden Ring, I went back and tried to finish all of the Souls likes that I had attempted. Um, okay, Sekiro, and then Jedi Fallen Order, which I famously bounced off of in favor <laughs> of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot because it was too dang hard. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, like after I had, you know, like became very experienced in spamming the role, um, I went back to Jedi Fallen Order and had a grand old time because the score is great. The graphics are great. The music's I mean, like everything is everything is actually it's actually the best Star Wars game that was ever made. <laughs> I'm actually pretty, you know. Yeah, okay. After I gave it its time of day, its fair, its its day in court, Jedi Fallen Order was good. So, like, that's I was excited for Jedi Survivor when they did the state of play thing and they showed the trailer. I missed it, but I did end up watching it. And at the end, it's just all these new, like, techniques that look savage and kind of, like, as if they're pulling from um, the Star Wars game that I was really expecting when I bought Fallen Order in the first place, which is like uh, Force Unleashed 3, you know, was what I was expecting. The Force Unleashed games, uh, 1 and 2, were like really, honestly, looking back on them, fairly generic hack and slash games, but the hack and slash was so well designed and like Stormtrooper limbs would fly off and you could bend catwalks to your will and throw canisters or like clear across an air hanger and like it was you felt like the superhero force using superhero that you were supposed to be so fallen order in comparison is like you know there are lightsaber resistant you know fauna out there which i think is the thing that i kept bringing up as something that was dumb as hell and why would i have this 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 sort of all-powerful weapon that bounces off of things that's frustrating but um, playing it the second time, uh, like the duels are riveting. Like it's it is like the same sort of sweaty palm strategizing that you do where you're trying to dodge raindrops in the shower afterwards while you're downloading move sets from the boss that you just lost to fifteen times in a row. It's the same sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so Survivor picks up in the events after Fallen Order, like Cal Kestis has a goatee now and, and a bit of a deeper voice and, you know, new moves to try. And I'm pretty excited to play that game when it comes out in March. That's my first one. Okay. I will answer your video game with a video game. A video game that for years while it was being speculated about, I did not want to see it made. And then I finally saw the trailer. And then I was like, never mind. The remake of Resident Evil 4. That game comes out in March. That game, I think, Resident Evil 4 is like this very specific legacy of being, for a lot of people, I think people are kind of wrong about it, but like this big pivot point where Resident Evil goes from being this atmospheric, horror game about having really kind of frustrating combat mechanics to being a really expressive action game, right? And so I'm thinking if they remake Resident Evil 4, which people have been clamoring 
for for a while. It's just gonna it's they're not gonna have the same sense of humor that that original game does. A lot of the sort of innovation of the original game is gonna be lost on the fact that now lots of games play like the original Resident Evil Four. Mm-hmm. But then they released the trailer. I was basically afraid that Resident Evil Four remake was just gonna be Resident Evil Six or something. And they released the trailer, and the trailer is just sort of dark and like. I think they are leaning into the horror elements of Resident Evil in a way that even the original Resident Evil 4 doesn't. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that instead of it looking like they're going to do this huge, flashy action homage to the original game, they are trying to split the difference in a really admirable way between making it really atmospheric right, which is what Resident Evil, I think, at its best is, but also making it in the spirit of the original Resident Evil 4, where it's like, you get big guns, you get to blow up shit with rocket launchers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the weird thing about that franchise. It's like, it's splitting the difference between being Call of Duty and being the formative horror game franchise, right? right. And I don't know, the, the, the early stuff that's come out from that remake has relaxed a lot of my anxieties about it and mm-hmm. has made me realize that I'm going to trick myself into writing some sort of 3,000 word think piece about it when it comes out. We will see. Um, in the same vein of like uh, like horror survival sims, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. another game I'm excited for that I, I gotta mention also is Blight. And I have no idea when it's coming mm-hmm. out. Blight Survival um supposed to be you know in the unreal 5 engine one of those other games that has no definite release date because they announced that the unreal 5 engine came out and everybody's just like well we're going to remake our game on that now so like that's yeah. basically <clears throat> what's going on with the development of this one as far as i know but you know tba undetermined 2023 time at some point there's going to be this sort of dark ages like zombie survival sim thing like the trailer looks like it's the same sort of close in over the shoulder action of like god of war i think it's like immediately after god of war ragnarok came out like this trailer came out um and it kind of marries a lot of things that i've talked about over the last couple of months on this podcast like games that i've just liked like it's like got the mm-hmm. close in over the shoulder god of war action it has the same sort of like messy, um, haptic combat of, uh, of of chivalry. It seems like, but then it's got this sort of moodiness to it that, like, uh, I guess Elden Ring has. And I assume that there will be like a, th- a, a a story with consistent eternal logic that you can follow, unlike Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, at some point in the next year or two, prayerfully, because that's just the only way that you can really... Games that don't have a definite release date exactly, like March 2020, or like, you know, the Harry Potter game that's coming out in February. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, if it just says 2023, chances are it's probably not going to be till 2024. <laughs> uh yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, if it does come out, I'm going to play that bitch. It looks very good. (laughs) Wait, okay, so, okay, on that note, in terms of things, like, your point about some things have release date of March 2023. Some days have a release date of 2023. Right. Just 2023, 
The latter kind of thing is actually coming out in 2024. Nonetheless, I, I, we have to talk about this because we literally once dedicated our, not just an episode of this podcast, but our 100th episode of this podcast to talk about Rush Hour. <laughs> and what was it like earlier this month? Jackie said that they are, in fact, making Rush Hour 4. Chris, Tucker, and Jackie are, in fact, making Rush Hour 4. Am I excited for Rush Hour 4? I, here, okay, here's the thing in my mind. is Did we talk about Bad Boys for Life ever on this podcast? I believe that we would have had to, right? I mean, like, I definitely we, wrote about I, it. But I don't remember. Yeah, you, I, I don't remember. I don't think we did maybe a full or even half episode discussion of bad boys for life sure but like okay so but let's let's just have a let's have a brief discussion about bad boys for life now like okay that, yeah for sure let's do it because i'll spin this back into rush hour four but like let's talk about this for a second to set this up that movie had your general almost been in like rumored since bad boys 2 right so yeah for sure but then it was like, why do we need enough? Like, it was basically like it, be- it became a passion project. And then somebody, I forget exactly who the director was of Bad Boys for Life, but it was like a young director that would have grown up seeing the Bad Boys movies and then made yeah. like an homage, like, which is what Bad right. Boys for Life is. It's more so like a compilation album than it is anything else. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, it like Bad Boys for Life is the Biggie duets is what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That is such a. That's actually yes, spot on comparison. That is um, exactly what the vibe of Bad Boys for Life is. I would also describe it as sort of, and this is not positive or negative, but it's like the consummate airplane movie. I would yes. say Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, and I think it kind of suffers from the Martin Lawrence's. I love Martin Lawrence, right? But like Martin Lawrence and Will, I just, it really suffers, I think, from the asymmetry at this point between Will and Martin. And I just don't, I don't think Martin has the juice in that movie. Well, the thing is, is that... It's enjoyable enough, but... Martin had the, like, Martin Lawrence suddenly had the best moment in that movie, which was when they were, they were like having the fourth wall moment about, because Will Smith had the health scare while the movie was being yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, and then they yeah. worked it into the story where like Martin Lawrence is sitting in a prayer chapel in a hospital <laughs> having yeah. like the greatest acting moment of his career. <laughs> but yeah, like the thing yeah. that you're talking okay, about, like about the asymmetry between the two of them is that like that movie tried to recreate a lot of the moments like the the kind of stuff that they definitely like improvised over the first two movies when they were just yeah, two young wild yeah. niggas in Hollywood or whatever, where they were just kind of when they pressed Christopher Moltisanti uh, at uh, at the tire shop. You, you remember like they can't there can't be another like JoJo. Oh, don't make this hard, <laughs> jo-. Like it's like they don't have yeah, that same yeah. sort of thing <laughs> going right. on in Bad Boys right. for Life. Exactly. And yeah, because Martin Lawrence and Will Smith do not have the same kind of money, they don't hang out in the same places. They don't. They're they're they do different things outside of this now. Like the chemistry wasn't yeah. the same. Um, it wasn't at all. And I mean, to bring this back to Rush Hour, uh, 
like a, a lot of people forget there was even a Rush Hour 3 that came out in 2009 yeah. and it aged even more poorly than Rush Hour than like than Rush Hour 2 like because of it felt so, like such a distinctly 2009 Walmart Blu-ray bin movie uh, oh, well, now I got it. Okay. Well, let me put you... You said in Rush Hour 2. I would say Rush Hour 2 is aged immaculately. To me, the one that's aged badly is 1. I think 1 is the Rush Hour movie. Well, wait, okay. Like, Sorry, yes. Aged worse than 1. Yeah. Aged worse than 1. Uh, Just, again, for like... But I mean, like, for the same reason. For the same reason you don't listen to Ron Browns sure. anymore. Like, it's like, this is... It feels like a thing that <laughs> happened... And okay, cool. You know, like, yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. That is yeah. another. And they wasted Hiro Yuki Sanada, okay? That's what I'm most upset about. But, but, it, so all of this is to say that as much as I want to be excited for the forthcoming Rush Hour 4, right? There's this fear of like, oh, are we looking at Bad Boys for Life all over again, where it's just like, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan like just have not they haven't done the thing in a long time and also like their careers they, they've spiraled off into doing different kinds of stuff and like can you really just kind of reconvene and recreate the magic of like what feels like a very specific comedy dynamic and also a very specific movie comedy context and that, that movie comedy context doesn't even exist anymore. Like, they don't make movies like Rush Hour anymore. Like, forget the race comedy stuff even. Just just in terms of being, like, that kind of martial arts action comedy, right? It's already, that's a kind of movie that doesn't get made anymore. And then again, it's like Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan have just, will they have any ounce of chemistry, right, compared to what they have in the first two movies? Yeah, I, like, it's basically the type of the type of movie like the buddy like the buddy comedy i think is like more of a joke for two random people standing next to each other in a picture that the internet thinks is funny than it is for creating yeah. an actual film script cuz i can't think of like the last buddy comedy that was billed as a buddy comedy that was like actually successful in that sort of way. Like, I mean, I think it's like maybe nice guys with like Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. But like, yeah. that was like a, you know, period piece about old Hollywood as much as it was like a detective story in a buddy comedy. Like, it's like, it's, there's gotta be more and I can't see that happening in a Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker movie. It'll just be like, hey, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are back together and then the story will fall after fall after that and I don't think that yeah. like yeah man I'm just not excited for Rush Hour 4 like I wasn't excited for a Rush Hour television show like they that that happened remember yeah like, yeah. yeah okay <laughs> why are you bringing up old shit <laughs> uh. <laughs> you memory hold it but I didn't oh no oh no um okay you next is, is, you got next Okay. Um, movies that I am excited about, though, like for this coming March. I feel like the summer blockbuster might you say be Barbie. back a little say bit. Say Barbie. Just say Barbie. I, like, listen, we, okay. I do want to see the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie because I think Mar Margot <laughs> Robbie is an incredible actor. Okay? But, yeah. like, 
I'm also like very excited for the new Spider-Man across the universe. I mean, across the Spider-Verse yeah. movie. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it'll be hard to mess that up. Uh, you know, despite like nobody really knowing what's going on, like with DC and like comic book shit generally, like I do kind of want to see the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 movie. Like if it's if I'm gonna choose one of the comic book movies to see, like in the spring. Um, there's that one and Ant-Man. Uh not really too excited about Ant-Man. Great for Jonathan Majors. Get your money, boo-boo. Him and he's gonna be in that one and the <laughs> new Creed movie. Like it's 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 I I love to see Jonathan Majors win. So that's great. Um I really don't know how the third bite of the cherry is going to go for the Creed franchise because Creed 2 wasn't yeah. really hitting like that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but Creed deserves it. Like, if Rocky could do five... Yeah, I, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, like, listen, I'm not saying yeah. that I would that I won't go see every Creed movie that comes out. Um, I'm just also, saying... also, anything that keeps... Anything that keeps MBJ out of movies where he would actually need to act. To act. You know, I just, I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, what else is there? Um, oh, right. Uh, Elephant in the room. Come on. We got no, lots no, of like, we, Listen, listen. Like, I, like uh, for, for boring movies that I will be seeing by myself at 11 a.m., <laughs> On on like a specific type of film, uh, the new uh, Nolan Oppenheimer movie is coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, all right. Like I respect it. I, you know, am annoyed by Christopher Nolan at the best of times, but I do love Killian Murphy and his. And like it looks like he's got the thousand mile stare down, like. There's just a lot of him in the trailer, like staring into the middle distance, like what have I, what have I done, what have I created, and I really like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, and I, and I and I love a moody movie. So this episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal. You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. 
When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh, one thing that we've talked about on this podcast a lot, frankly. Daredevil. Daredevil. Yes. When I was 12. <laughs> uh, the resurrection. What is it? I forget what they, they born again. Born again Christian Daredevil season whatever for Disney plus Daredevil. They better not turn. They better not censor stuff. Compared to Netflix Daredevil, they're resurrecting Daredevil, the Netflix series, which was yeah. fire and and died too soon. And finally, Kathleen Kennedy has some fucking sense and brought <laughs> back one of the good Disney things. Matt Murdock in the building early. Um, I'm excited for Daredevil, dog. Like, I miss Daredevil. I miss Daredevil and Jessica Jones. It's the only good cape shit TV. And they took it away from us. Honestly, like I miss Charlie Cox is who I miss. Like honestly, yeah, yeah, him as yeah. a him, and I think we talked. I said this the last time we were talking about Daredevil. Like his cameo in Spider Man No Way Home was like I like I was like I was so happy to see him. Like like the, from the head, <laughs> like the whole bit where he's just kind of like, "How did you catch the brick coming through the window?" And none of us even saw it. He's just like, "I'm a really good lawyer." Also, <laughs> recently, uh, like, there's that new Netflix series that came out, uh, which is just, like, British scandal, basically, called Treason. It's him and Una Chaplin, and, like, it's, like, this MI6 Ooh. drama where there's all these great actors doing really bad acting. <laughs> Wait, really? Wait, what is it? No, explain Treason before treason, we go Treason, Treason, okay, so Treason... In my six um, drama, why Alan's Herman limited series? Me yeah, limited series on the, like recently released on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. That like you know you can kind of just rip through, totally plot driven, kind of nonsensical if you've ever read a spy novel, but like it's you know compelling enough, and it's him and Kieran Hines and Una Chaplin and like some other Game of Thrones actors. And, uh, like, there is this conspiracy between... Oh, and Olga Karolinko is also in it. Um, she is a, a burned Russian operative attempting to assassinate the head of MI6 to move Charlie Cox's character into position so that she can work him over for intel because like she he was compromised so many years it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like oh now we got to make this right for the kids um and kind of like concludes with 
this like sort of like that moment from Skyfall where uh, Judy Dench gets up and starts reading from Lord Byron um, in, mm-hmm. in the middle, like in the middle of the meeting with the PM. The it's hearing, like a, it's all yeah. sort of building up to that kind of moment. So it's good enough. Like it's a, it's okay. a very like it's a very six out of ten show. But I mean, like it doesn't take until episode three to you know find its stride because there's only five episodes. But yeah, okay. Charlie Cox. Uh, I am. Charlie I'm, Cox. I'm excited for Daredevil just because, like, I've, I've, I, I realize how much I miss Charlie Cox. Yeah, I miss. I miss the whole crew, dog. I miss. I miss everything about the dynamics of that show. I miss D'Onofrio. Like, bring it back, man. Come on, come on. Um, okay. Four words: Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty. Right. It's like. They finally picking the shit up and doing the CD Projekt Red. They're doing an expansion. They rope. They drag Idris Elba into this. Idris Elba is in Cyberpunk now, and and more importantly than that, like I think a lot of people after the game. I mean, to be clear, and I always make this clarification. People think I'm ignorant. Like Cyberpunk 2077 had a bad launch in a lot of technical ways. It didn't flop. Like it's a successful game, but it just it obviously should have had a smoother launch than what it had. And I think because of how kind of like much bad publicity surrounded Cyberpunk 2077 when that game came out, people assumed, right, like yo, Keanu, any any expansion they do, Keanu's not coming back for this shit. But no, in fact, there's more Keanu. They got Keanu Keanu stood by CD Projekt Red. So now we're getting Keanu Reeves and Idris Elba. Is the money still green? Is the money still green? Keanu Reeves will do Polish it. Polish money. I mean, you, money like, you must remember. Too. You must remember when Matrix Resurrections came out and people were like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And Keanu Reeves is just like, I made four hundred million. Like it's just like I like I. <laughs> it's just like I cleared the check already. You know. What I mean? Yeah. Yes. Um. I'm excited for. I'm excited to see CD Projekt Red get a second bite at the apple. I know it's just an expansion. It's not like it's a sequel or something. But like because the sort of fundamental sandbox of Cyberpunk 2077 is something that I actually do think is pretty fun to play around in. Even if the stuff that the more elaborate stuff that they built narratively in that sandbox is a little shaky. I don't know, man. Like they did a good job with edge runners, the anime that we talked about a lot in the last episode. Like sure. I am excited to see Keanu Reeves and Idris Elba in cyberpunk. I am excited to quick hack things again. Yes. Give it to me. I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm ready. Uh, yeah. You know, let's just let CD Projekt Red continue on with this trend of you know putting out half of a game and making it playable later. <laughs> this is I like. Okay, listen. I like. I you tell me. You tell me when it's safe mm-hmm. to come back mm-hmm. in there. All right? Because no, for I, sure. I for sure. I I will be your yeah safety partner on. I, absolutely. And I won't um, steer you wrong, I promise. <laughs> also, in the same vein of games that will likely disappoint or fool, fool's gold games, um, 
I'm going to go with Black Myth of Wukong. That looked like when I first saw like... Uh, Wait, what is that? Black Myth of Wukong was going to be like the new Souls like on the Unreal 5 engine where you play as like this kind of humanoid monkey spirit in like ancient China and you have like a bow staff and you fight a bunch of mythical creatures and it looks awesome. It looks beautiful. I mean, it definitely looks sticky and underdeveloped the first time that they were showing it, but it like also had a lot of things that looked very interesting. Um, so still like, you know, another TBA date on that one, but I would like to play it. Yeah. I mean, that's about it. You haven't seen the stuff for Black okay. Wolf, Wukong. It, like it came out. It, no. This also was like announced like after Elder Ring came out. And maybe I just went looking for it, like, you know, in the suggestive videos where like those gamer ranks things pop up and it'll be like, hey, yeah. new 10, 25 new souls likes coming in 2023, which actually, <laughs> yeah. which actually isn't like a thing, you know. But one of them is yeah. Black Myth of Wukong. And um it just like looks like a more artsy, polished version of like uh, Wolong, which actually recently came out, which is more or less Neo Three. If you if you catch my meaning. Oh, so like imagine I, I, that like Neo had like the same sort of production value of like a Naughty Dog, like Ghost yeah. of Tsushima type thing. That's what it looks like. To me, at least. Can I can I just say first Neo? I like and think about it. Like I played Bloodborne, I play Elden Ring. I definitely like turn-based RPGs that are difficult. I like difficult modes. Neo, I I spent some time with the first Neo. I was convinced that was like the hardest game I have ever played in my entire fucking life. I feel like I must have been playing it wrong or something when I played Neo. I really wanted to get into that. And it was like the first boss fight. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I give up. I don't like, know. Seriously, playing the <laughs> Wolong Dynasty uh, demo when it came out, because I was like, there was uh, like there was a demo that was like available, I believe, like in September for like a weekend, or like it was like for mm -hmm. five days or something like that. So I downloaded it, and like not because it was you know enthralling, but because I got stuck on one of the mini bosses. And it took me the whole five days to finish the demo because of the thing that you, like it feels like as difficult yeah. as like, you know, firing up Ninja Gaiden 2 for the first time. Like, it's like, yeah. wait a minute, there's got to be something I like. I mean, can I also can I do environmental stuff? What am I not understanding? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you feel like you're playing an NES game. You're just like, what the fuck happened? I've been transported back to 1993. When yeah. like every game is hard as fuck for no reason. Yeah. Um wait, okay, here's here's the thing. Here's a an anticipated thing of 2023 that I crossed my heart and hope to die, but Allison Herman told me to, to, to Allison Herman sent the smoke in the chimney at the Vatican to me and said that it's 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 kind of good is the Last of Us adaptation. Uh -huh. The live action The Last of Us. Listeners of this podcast will know I am not a fan of the... At least I haven't played the second game. I'm not a fan of the first game. I resent the game on a cultural level. But <laughs> I... From what I understand, you know, in Neil Druckmann's 
quest to transform uh, video games into prestige, right? Like, apparently the the Pedro Pascal, like, Last of Us, you know, series is actually, at least from the first few episodes, seems to be pretty capably managed, like, survival horror adaptation. I mean, I'm getting reports that it's good. The show is good. The show premieres on the 15th. And, like, there's, like, already been some news items coming out about things like it won't be as violent as like the video games are and it can't possibly because i was playing like part one like i like i downloaded it from the psn sale that was like the the holiday psn sale because it was you know however many bucks off Finally you mean part one is in the remake of just the game that used to just yeah because be there there was like because like those because you could have played like in theory you could have played on ps4 in 2015 the first one and then the remastered yeah. one like two years later and then there was another one yeah. that just came out <laughs> that is just the yeah. first game again like but it's <laughs> like you know but the graphics are better and like you know the movement is better like it's just less annoying and feels less like it's 2015, but it's still 2015 because it's still like a press X to win type of game. But yeah, yeah. Like still to me, because I'm a madman, the best parts of the game are not like the story parts, but like the sort of experimentation you can do with getting stormed by swap members once you have mm-hmm. certain weapons. Like I think. A text message I sent to a friend of mine, uh, TJ, while I was replaying um, part one um, on the PS5, was that like, oh yeah, I remember that you can, from cover, like blow out a swamp member's kneecap with a snub nose and then take his helmet off with a t- with a plank and then stab him. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, yeah, what you should do is take him by hostage with a pump shotgun and then blow his brains all over the wall. These are all things that you can do in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So it, so the so the show can't possibly be that violent. And to be fair, the develop the 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 relationship that develops between Joel and uh, and Ellie is like, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see Pedro Pascal and the and the girl from Bear Island, you know, do that for a couple of episodes. I, I, it feels like it should be fun, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I like. I feel like it would be hard to mess up. But actually, like for in Druckmann's larger plan of making video games prestige, this is like a no brainer first step. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's like it's also one of those kind of projects where it's like if this doesn't work, then nothing can ever work. Can like, ever work. Like, in its in its DNA, the original The Last of Us wants so hard to like it wants to be a movie. Yeah, and it and it also I don't know if you read like the big New Yorker reported story about the development of the TV series and Truckman's sort of outlook on The Last of Us, and this is really obnoxious part. It's like, I think the director is talking about like the, oh, well, Druckmann at one point is like, it's a combination of the author of the article and then Druckmann himself sketched this comparison of like, you know, people want to treat, you know, too many of the treatments that Druckmann was fielding, I think, earlier on in terms of potential film treatments were like treating it, The Last of Us, like it was World War Z 
when really The Last of Us is more no country for old men. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, stop, it's stop n- that. Like, it's the Last very... of Us is definitely more World War Z than, than no yeah. country for old men. It's like, and it's like, I don't know, the way I would describe it is the last, the original game is like if a USA network movie dressed up as an A24 movie for Halloween. Like, that's what The Last of Us is. And that's, that's exactly kind of what right. plagues the the quest to get The Last of Us adapted and sort of promoted to the level of prestige that Neil Druckmann wants. And the larger struggle for video games to do that is that there's so much of, like, people people want it to be one way, but it's the other way. Like, people don't... People aren't keeping it... People Outside of the people making the damn Detective Pikachu movie and the Sonic movies, people aren't being real about what it is they're even adapting a lot of the time, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, the, um, like the, 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 the game begins as, like, you know, Joel is an out-of-work contractor in somewhere, Texas, and his daughter gives him a Timex watch for his birthday. That's how the game begins. It's like... Mm-hmm. There is just sort of this, yeah, it is like a USA Network Walmart hot sheen to like, you know, like Joel as a character that, I mean, like, sure, you could say no country for old men, but it it like, it rings hollow and sounds like it's being said on the stage at South by Southwest, like. Yeah, yeah, that's the issue. And it's like, maybe, you know what, maybe the show will excel despite all of the, again, I think prestige baggage that's been tied up with The Last of Us for a long time. Um, And like I said, it seems like early reports suggest that like, this might actually be fun to watch and to then later talk about on Sound Only. Um, I have one last thing, actually, Mm -hmm. in terms of excitement. I can't believe I didn't bring it up earlier. Street Fighter (laughs) 6. And I... And is it only because of all of the aggressive feet fetish stuff that Capcom has been selling uh, with regard to jury's inclusion in the game? Maybe it is. I don't know. But Street Fighter 6 looks like a wild, like, I, I don't know. Like, recently, I wrote a piece recently for The Ringer, like, talking about the metaverse and how the metaverse kind of, like, ha- like kind of flopped hard after being gassed up so much. It kind of flopped hard this year in terms of, like, different actual metaverses that you can go fuck around in with a VR headset or in your browser or whatever. But if you look at like how they're, how Capcom is rolling out Street Fighter 6 and it's sort of like the online lobby and it's like this sort of, there's like this theme park that you spend time, you build your own custom avatar and you spend time waiting for matches in this like virtual lobby. And I'm like, dog, this shit looks more futuristic than whatever the fuck Mark Zuckerberg is doing. Like this looks like, <laughs> this is like, I don't know, man. Like, street, there's something about the. Um, it's almost like Street Fighter meets. I, I don't know. There's something very next gen about the about Street Fighter Six that I can't put my finger on and probably won't be able to until that game finally comes out because I have not gotten invites to the beta, either in either wave of invites to the beta, but. Uh, I'm actually very excited for that game. I remain trash at fighting games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I Guilty Gear is cool. I kind of, after a point, you know, got distracted and stopped playing Guilty Gear Strive. I think maybe in anticipation for Street Fighter Six, 
it kind of will be cool for the first time. Like usually I get in a game, like fighting game super late. This will be the first time that I'm going to like try to on day one, get good at a fighting game, you know, <laughs> and not have to suffer the problem of like, Oh, I'm getting into Playing this game catch that people have been yeah. paying for three years and people, and people already know what the iframes are and have picked out the character yeah. that they could cheese you with and all this other stuff. Yellow Ken, yellow Ken. Um, yeah, so Street Fighter Six. That's probably the last thing I'm, I'm super excited for going into 2023. Oh, I, I can't believe I didn't mention this. Another thing that's happening, Vinland Saga Season 2 on January 10th. Mm. I'm excited for mm-hmm. that uh, because I did the thing where I read from where Season 1 ended in the comic and... Huh, I don't really know exactly how they're going to make the second season out of that. I've assumed that they're going to, like, I'm not entirely sure how much of the story of the next chunk of the story will make for, because Vinland Saga obviously had its political intrigue, like telling the story of, you know, like the crossing of the Black Sea and like, you know, the Denmark and Danish invasion of England and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was also like a battle anime, like uh, like there was a lot of fighting in it and there's a lot of fighting to be had, you know, more so like in the later parts of the story. But the immediate next mm-hmm. part is kind of pensive and bucolic. So like the first couple of episodes will probably pre- be pretty slow. There's a lot of like wondering what peace means and like, you know, how do you contribute to it and what is a life worth living and all this other stuff that, I mean, like, is great to read, but how is it going to translate on screen? But nonetheless, like, season one was really good in 2019. Um and season two is at the top of everybody's most anticipated anime list across the internet. So yeah, like uh, excited for Vinland Saga season two. Pensive and bucolic. I think that's all we got this week. Listeners right into us. What are you excited about? 2023 sound only pod at gmail.com. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. Happy New Year. We'll see y'all in 2023.